Welcome to Faith This, a podcast about fandom, internet culture, and video games. I'm here, as always, as usually, with Patricia Hernandez, and we are joined by a special guest. Hi, I'm a special guest! <laughs> I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm from Waypoint, and yeah. uh, the Idle Thumbs universe, and, and all kinds of things. The Idle Thumbs universe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. um, so this week we are going to be talking about the year of video games for the year of our lord 2017 oh yeah that's so, exciting patricia sent us a bunch of questions yeah <laughs> we're so going we're, to answer <laughs> yeah so we're not going to go through like all the big releases or talk about our favorite games so i think that'll come up anyway i think we're going to talk about like very specific things so i think the first question that i want to open up to you guys uh Guido, what have been some of your favorite moments in games in 2017 you know your top moments like specific moments in games i really enjoyed every single time in pyre when i had to make a choice about who i was going to send up to go home mm-hmm. because i would just play the ensuing match in pyre with like tears in my eyes because <laughs> i wanted them to go home but also didn't want to see them go because you just never see that character again <sighs> i also really love the moment in persona 5 where makoto gets her persona where her persona asks her, are you ready to find your true selves? And she says, yes, like very <laughs> and then she, loudly. Uh, yeah, it's the motorcycle. And then the s- motorcycle comes. Oh, wow. It's the, honestly the coolest moment in that game. It like, really I, is. I had to re- I restarted the game so I could rewatch that because I was just like, holy shit. She's so, so the other characters up until that point also, they've been a little bit more unsure about taking their mask off and revealing their true selves, but she's like, bring it! <laughs> <laughs> I was born ready for this. I yeah. love that you mentioned Pyre because when I was thinking about this question, a lot of the thoughts that came to my mind were like, what the, like, these are sad, these are all sad moments. And I think <laughs> one of the things that like marks a really good game is is when it kind of takes the power fantasy away from you and makes you make a difficult choice and yeah. i feel like those are some of the moments that i enjoy in games the most so yeah i i that's why pyro was so memorable for yeah. me this year well i mean we've sort of moved on from the sort of morality you know thing that's being counted in the background or shown to you explicitly like the paragon renegade thing into this thing that i think is more effective which is just putting a difficult choice in front of the the player and then not making them have to figure out how they feel about it. Like more of an ambiguous choice. And yeah, also just, I, I find the image of like us like crying happily <laughs> while like a game developer like literally twists the knife and oh we're like, God. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah. Please give me more of that. Pretty much. I have one that's happy, but I guess it's sad uh, after the fact. And of course, it's from uh, the game I have been the biggest stand for ever uh, this year, which is Prey, Arcane Studios, beautiful majestic uh, immersive sim in that game you are playing as a woman named morgan you you can play as a dude but why would you ever do that so you can play as a woman named morgan you who is by the way a space lesbian and you have to go around uh this space station uh, i won't go too far into the the whole narrative of it but something went very wrong on this space station and you have to figure things out and fix things and so on and so forth 
Uh, you have to get recordings, basically. Like they're they're like voice logs, you know, that kind of thing. And to synthesize the access to a new part of the space station. So you basically have to like get all these voice samples of this person whose name is Danielle Show, who is also a space lesbian, which is really cool. So you have to like go around crew quarters and get all these little recordings of her. She plays D&D with a bunch of her friends. She has this whole relationship with this woman named Abby. So it's Danielle and Abby. It's very cute. And they have like their first date when they're doing this D and D thing, where you know Danielle's just going to you know just kind of go and I feel like and that's a bold first uh, date so choice. It's like a really deep like. Well, because they were dive. like work friends, and then you know, so oh, okay. she goes to this this game, and then you, you get all this this sense of their relationship. That's just the lead up. When you actually go to her quarters, or maybe it's Abby's quarters, whatever, you get this voice log of like after their successful first date and they're like in bed together and it's the cutest thing on earth because they're recording this voice recording and they're aware that they're recording it danielle's like are you really recording us and abby's like yes because we're in love and it's the oh my cutest God. thing first of on all, the face of the earth and i've played this moment like six times first right of all that sounds cute but also i think it's fucking hilarious that like because this is video games and they have no other way of like conveying this happy moment to you the idea that a couple would like record themselves talking to a thing right after sex or whatever like, <laughs> That's what it not, is. not a i don't think it's a thing that most people the, like, would do unless you're like a fucking youtube blogger or something and, well, or like an irl streamer on i was like they're taking a selfie it's like so true to life about women dating other women going zero from zero to 60 immediately yep. <laughs> oh like, i thought you were gonna be like yes. wait a minute i have done something like no no <laughs> Just like go on a date, have a successful date, and then be like, so now we're spending the rest of our lives we're together, so we might as well start documenting everything right now. Well, well the whole framing is that she's doc- Abby's documenting it because she got Danielle to like call in sick and stay with her that day. And she's like, I can't believe it. I'm doing this. Like, it was so cute. That's like the whole thing of why she's documenting it. That's so it didn't, really it didn't feel awkward in the game. It just Not sounded at all. Okay. It was cute. It was like so cute and so sweet. And maybe the fate of everybody on that station isn't great, but that moment right there is amazing also can i do another one yeah yeah all right um wolfenstein the new colossus i don't know if either of you played it didn't get a chance yet okay it's it's good i actually really liked it quite a bit there i don't want to spoil anything whatsoever uh so i will just say one of my favorite moments happens uh sort of twice in that game there's an early scene uh with a woman who is sort of uh like a black resistance leader Mm -hmm. in what remains of america basically Uh, her name is grace and she gives this just insanely great speech about sort of what had happened in Manhattan and it's really tough it's really 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 tough and she has a moment where she's talking to BJ Blazkowicz you know the, the the guy you know he's the protagonist of the game and you know he's like oh they're monsters and she just kind of looks at him dead ass in the eye and she's like no they're men and it's like oh so good <laughs> it's like getting punched in the face yeah like, it's great <laughs> she is one of the best characters I think new characters in a game this year and there's a moment later on in the game that I just I can't spoil it, but it has to do with TV and it has to do with Nazi politics and it's really good for America in 2017. And I really want to play this game. It's a good game. It's a good game. I feel like it's one of those games that I kind of just want to get 
drunken play on super easy because I like honestly that's the way I played it. Don't care Not about drunk, the challenge. But... <laughs> I just want to see what happens where it goes. Yeah. It's worthwhile doing it. I put it on like baby baby difficulty and really enjoyed myself. Honestly, yeah, that's what I did end up doing for Doom. Actually, I was like sure. I was thinking about this. Yet last night, for some reason, it was like a, a very, very hot summer in Chicago, and I was spending most of the day, my day, like pantsless in my apartment, playing Doom, listening to Faith No More on the loudest volume yeah. possible, and getting very, very day drunk. So I was still like <laughs> freelancing. Actually, that was like the week between the end of me being assistant editor at Paste and me working here. Oh, Garrett did was like you, you don't work for a week. We like won't be able to pay you for like half a paycheck. It's ridiculous. So I. <laughs> just didn't work for a week and i was like i don't have it's to doom worry time. no pantless doom. doom yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was i gonna do like i don't no idea what to do with your time when you're not working literally 24 hours a day <laughs> so i just i got doom with like the remainder of my pace paychecks and uh couldn't really wear clothes inside because it was so hot uh, and lived across a store where I could buy lots of beer, and it just seemed they all kind of came together. <laughs> the faith mo- no more. I don't know where that came from, but it fit. It really fit. Sometimes that's perfect. That's how it happened. That's yeah. really perfect. I love that. <laughs> so one of my favorite moments from this year is a really silly one. So in Persona Five, which is like kind of like a, a slice of life sim in which you also kill monsters as you do in Japan. Um, you can, so you meet people and you can befriend them. And so you play as this like teenage boy who can like date other girls. But the thing is like the game doesn't stop you from trying to date many of them at the same time. And then like some of them are friends and they know each other. Some of them don't know each other. But the thing is, if you do this, you're kind of screwed because on like special days, like I can't remember if it's their birthdays or like the holiday for holidays or like for Valentine their version of Valentine's Day, they'll come over, but they'll all come over. And if you if you like romance <laughs> multiple of them on Christmas Day, they will all come over with like many different gifts, and they realize that you're cheating on all of them, and they'll just beat your ass. And it's so <laughs> funny, and I love that moment because oh, it's man. like he's not. Well, he kind of gets away with it, but he doesn't get away with it because he literally gets his ass beat. So, yeah. and it's just it—it it was a funny moment seeing them all interact with each other, and I also just felt very guilty because everyone was very sad. But it's also one of my favorite moments in that game. How could you be mean to the hot doctor? That's like criminal. You oh, actually, oh. she she took it pretty well, if I'm remembering correctly. She <laughs> oh. was just like, I'm very loosely paraphrasing, but she was pretty much like that's what you did? Good for you, I guess. Something like that. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. I love her. Wow. I mean, okay. she's, you know, she's older. I'm sure she's seen some shit in her time, and I can't imagine. She's absolutely seen some shit in her time. She oh, fucking yeah. goes to, co- shows up to the clinic with, like, gladiator platforms on. <laughs> she's seen some shit in her time. <laughs> and also, she seems mature enough that I just don't think that she sees a forever with you. Yeah. Right? I don't know. You don't date like an 18 year old because you want to marry them yeah I, she, was, like, she was there to just fuck them you know yeah. she's in between a few things that's fine <laughs> you know she's in a transitional phase yeah <laughs> and one of my other favorite moments which is also kind of like romance related is in life is strange before the storm oh my god so um sorry <laughs> So in the first Life is Strange, like, the the entire framework of the game is that you're trying to find 
what happened to this girl Rachel Amber who is like the what's the name of that Twin Peaks girl that died that died oh Laura one? Laura yeah. yes she, she's like basically the Laura Palmer right like she uh she's perfect she like everyone loves her she was like the model whatever but the, but she disappears and she you turns out that she had this other secret life that nobody knew about so that's the mystery there you find out what happens to her so before the storm you play at you get to actually meet rachel because she's not in the first game and you play as chloe who was very very close to her and you can either choose to be like you can choose to be involved with her you can choose to be her friend but i feel like 90 percent of people who are going to play this game are going <laughs> to are just going to romance her and what I like about this is that I feel like there was just so much ambiguity about, like, the gayness of the first Life is Strange. Like, you can make an argument that they're not really all that into each other or, or whatever. Because there's just some, there's some weirdness and, like, Chloe is getting over Rachel. So you're, like, not even sure that she's actually into Max. But in this one, it's, like, it's outright, like, from every step of the way, it's, like, pretty much, like, no this is gay they are into <laughs> each other so then gay is like, strange yeah. yeah 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 and so you you get to this moment where like it's an ambiguous inambiguously a kiss between them and they're like they like talk about it and it's very clearly like we are gay and so like the fact that they kissed at all was one of my favorite moments and then but the the lead up to that um they chloe gets drafted into this play that she wasn't planning on being in and so there's there's in the this, tempest yes yeah, the tempest which is even uh, better this, yes. this shakespeare play and <laughs> there's this moment where you have to memorize these you have to actually as a player you have to actually memorize these lines <laughs> and you get all these prompts and you're just like shit where do i go like i have to move to different parts of the of the what's it called the stage yeah. like uh, i have to like <laughs> make sure that i say these lines right and then after like if you actually manage to do it correctly i guess this is mild spoilers but like if you actually manage to do it correctly rachel just goes off script and you're just like the fuck like i just (laughs) i just practice all this and like now i don't know what to say and she's like kind of proposing to you in front of everyone and like in this in this very beautiful it's like oh my god it's like amazing it's like double meat like people watching don't understand what she's saying yeah don't understand what she's saying to you but she's very clearly like we want I want to run away with you what do you say to that and you like you have to find a way to like respond to her in a way that doesn't sound like you're just saying like yeah let's let's do it but like and it's just so good it's so good it's it's one of my favorite moments of of the entire year that game does not just sort of the the high melodrama super super well like you're you know the the those high moments of those incredible romantic oh my god they're gonna do it oh my god it also does like feeling like a teen in romance super mm-hmm. super well. Like just when, kind of how when you get Chloe's swept away. like, oh, I hope I smell good. Like whenever she's close <laughs> to Rachel, like there's a moment where she's like, oh no, I should have taken a shower today. She like <laughs> she notices that she's smelling Rachel Amber and it's like, oh, she smells like violets or whatever it is. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Oh and she's like, oh no, I should have taken a shower today. And, like it's just, so, like so so real. relatable and so like this is how teens think. This is really really good. It. It hits all those moments so, so well. Yeah, I like that, too, because in um, Life, the original Life is Strange, Chloe is the one that holds all the cards, and she is the one that seems so in control. And to, like, play as her and see that she's actually a huge fucking mess. Yep. It's, like, very (laughs) relatable. I really enjoyed that, too, because, like, 
you get to see her before she becomes the Chloe Price that you know. Like, it's literally before she dyes her hair blue. It's before she has all the tattoos. It's before she has all the clothes. It's before she has, like, the reputation. Before she's expelled. Like, she's going through a lot. In this in this game, her dad has died somewhat Not recently. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's still reeling over Max leaving. Like, she's just... She hasn't become herself yet. And so, like, I, I feel like it's... She's honestly just such a more interesting character than Max because Max yeah. was just kind of like a more of a Max's blank slate. Max's reaction to everything was like, huh. <laughs> Whoa. I'm magic. <laughs> she just like can't even react to the fact that she can do something magical. Like it was really, huh. <clears throat> Whoa. Cool. Huh. I should do something like this. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think that's also part of what makes Before the Storm so good. Some people complained about this, the fact that there's no like supernatural mechanic because that's what made life the first life is strange so quote-unquote gamey and there's nothing there's nothing supernatural or paranormal in uh before the storm it's literally like a lot of dialogue choices with people or like sometimes you'll do like like small things like well it's not even puzzles i feel like it's a lot of series of like meaningful actions so for example uh one of the storylines is that um david who is also in the first game he's like trying to get with your mom and like you again your dad has just recently died so you're obviously like you know on some level that like your mom has to move on because it's painful but you're also a teen so of course you're (laughs) going to take this the wrong way so there's a moment in which you're like going through her things and you see that she's put away the picture of of your old family like her your dad and yourself and you have the choice like do you put the picture back out even though david's in the house and it's like well that's not rewinding time but like i feel like that's way more meaningful than you know yeah. like it's 100 a lot of different yeah. choices like that um yeah i mean magical realism shit is is cool but only when it's like impactful sometimes the time travel-y shit in life is strange felt i feel like it was annoying yeah. most of the time like <laughs> yeah, i just the didn't very first it. puzzle where you have to figure out how to like poured paint on that poor girl's blouse. It's <laughs> like, Wait, you think Victoria is that poor girl? She's an asshole. Okay, we should talk about this. I see myself in. Oh, she's she's mean because she is incredibly insecure, and oh. I understand that. Yeah, very and I mean, well. I I think you also get to see another side of her in you before do. the storm yeah. before she's an asshole. Well, she's still kind of an asshole, but I feel like you can kind of understand why why she is. She Nobody just feels insecure. Acts like I don't that know. why because they like themselves. Yeah, yeah. Nobody does point. that that kind of shit because they feel good about people who feel good about themselves don't need to put other people down. That's that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. All right, I got a couple more before we move on to the next question. Yeah, let's um do, it. do you so you've played near I'm trying to remember the name of this boss fight, but like one of my favorite moments was the the boss in Near Automata who is in like this state another is stage. Is it Simone de Beauvoir? Is it the <laughs> is one it, that she's yeah. she's crying yeah. and she's like, I just want to be beautiful, yep. like why yep. won't you love yep. me? Is yep. the makeup that, thing? Is this the makeup thing? Uh no, it's the opera thing. Oh, oh, oh. And okay. just yeah. okay. I, I mean, first of all, the story behind that robot is like just so relatable because she just like basically again, I guess spoilers for this game, but spoilers like spoilers for this she, whole podcast. That's yeah, she like that. keeps killing androids and like stealing their body parts to make herself more beautiful for this robot that will never pays attention to her and like that in of its own is like so heartbreaking and relatable and like again this is a robot and it's making you feel things but then also just the sheer i feel like 
so the entire game is like big boss fights that make you go oh shit but i feel like this was the first time in which i was just like taken aback by the theater of the of the boss itself because she's she's like she's like yell she's like singing and like doing these like crazy attacks and you i was just like completely taken aback (laughs) and when i actually managed to kill her i was just like holy shit I did that. <laughs> yeah, that game is really good on moments, right? The first time you get to the Become as Gods thing, you just don't God, really know what's going to happen. <laughs> that song's really good. All the songs that, God, I just... I need to listen to the Blu-ray concert. The oh. near... On... It's so much. Am I going to, like, cry in yes. my apartment? No. Yes. But, oh. oh, my God. I mean, all the songs kind of make you want to cry when you listen to them, period. And, like, I... In this one, because they're playing it live, there's just so much more emotion going. There's one of the songs, literally the lady who's singing it starts crying in the middle, like oh near the end of the God. song. So yes, you are also going to cry. Wow. <laughs> but you should listen to it. Okay. Tear warning. So I, I remembered slash looked up on my phone the the most heartbreaking part of uh, the boss fight, which is Beauvoir. It was based off of... Uh, the philosopher and writer Simone de Beauvoir, the robot that she cannot ever gain the affections of is named Jean-Paul. Oh, it's based right. off of Sarsleth. Yep. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that it was that. So you meet that robot. I yeah. didn't know it was him. Yeah. He, well, he because he does this to everyone. Life, everyone is so in Sarsleth love with him. would not return the affections of Simone de Beauvoir. Oh. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a very, very fun philosophy Easter egg. I really, really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> wow. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Did that, she also do fucked up things to herself to He's, try to gain she wasn't a well-adjusted person oh, yeah. <laughs> you can say that. i need to yeah. look this up i need to see if there's like a good book on on this uh oh i'm gossip. sure <laughs> oh man french people are a lot especially <laughs> french people in, into existentialism oh yeah oh boy they wore it on their sleeve a little bit there mm, yeah mm. good stuff <laughs> <laughs> all right next que- new question yeah uh what have been some of your favorite characters in video games in 2017 and why? The dumbest one is Pauline, but just because she, <laughs> she came back. She is a pantsuit wearing, jazz band owning, like jazz band leading mayor of New Donk City. And like that glow up is incredible to me. <laughs> like, how do you how do you go from being kidnapped by a giant monkey to being the mayor of a city and also in a band? I, you know, <laughs> like, really awesome. That's a good question. How do you do that? What happened to Pauline? Please tell me. Yeah, we need like an in-between game. Yeah. <laughs> Pauline is strange. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You need that prequel. That'll oh, help yeah. out. Um, so that's but I other than that, I mean, most of the characters from Persona 5 really stick with you. I mean, I've been thinking about this because we've been doing our game of the year deliberations, and Luke Plunkett is the biggest cheerleader for Persona 5. Yes. <laughs> and yesterday, he just wouldn't stop talking about the game. So I just remembered every single thing I like about that game. I like <laughs> all those characters. I think I like Makoto the best because she is... She's so badass. So badass. And she it comes from... You get such... is so cathartic when she finally gets mad at the mm-hmm. world for forcing her into impossible situations, trying to be perfect all the time. And it is such a relief when she's sick of it. And I, you know, really wish I had that kind of arc of, like, Mm. femininity when I was younger. The game stumbles on a lot of sort of sexual politics and gender politics of, you know, sexuality shit, like, it a lot. But that particular thing was new and novel, and, I mean, I think this is why people keep 
citing the Persona games as being full of good writing because they are actually express a lot of difficult, complicated human, you know, relationships and feelings. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like that's such a high point for the game that like nothing matches it afterwards because you keep bringing characters into the fold and like nothing matches that moment because it's just so good. Yeah, I mean, Futaba's dungeon it's good. It's also good, but like nothing beats meeting Joan of Arc for the first time. <laughs> that motorcycle owns. Oh, that sounds pretty fun. If we're going to think of uh, like good Nintendo characters, I definitely have to say Urbosa. Oh yes. Everybody, yes. I know everybody likes the fish boyfriend. Everybody likes Prince Sidon. That's fine. No. I'm there for my Gerudo girlfriend. Yes. That's what baby. I want. She's so big and strong. Oh, Did I tell you about my, protect us. my <laughs> fan theory? Uh, I guess slight spoilers for people who haven't played this DLC. I know this and I haven't even played the DLC, so yeah. I don't know. Um, Just hungry it, for that Zelda content. Oh, yeah. Really oh, yeah. It. Yeah. So there's, you can like, I can't remember if it's that you can read her Urbosa's diary or if it's a cutscene. But you learn that she's like really good friends with Zelda's mom, and that she oh. like, she, like that she really promi- good friends. That she promised that she would protect <laughs> Zelda, and so like when I first played through Breath of the Wild, I interpreted the scenes between Urbosa and Zelda to like kind of have like a, I don't know, a sapphic tinge. Sure. But like now looking back, I'm like, what if she was just trying to be dad, and actually she was just fucking uh, Zelda's, Zelda's mom, mom. Oh my God. and. I think some of the fandom has latched on to this because I, I tweeted this. I was like in all caps, new fan theory or Bosa was fucking <laughs> Zelda's mom. And then someone was like, yeah, there's a bunch of fan art of that. And I was <laughs> oh like, my God. <laughs> oh, and, wow. And uh, it's like, the mo- we never see the mom. So I was just like, wait a minute. What does the mom look like? You know like? the is dad's it, not is it just getting it done in that department. The, the, you know that king whatever <laughs> knows face. Oh, is God. Just not very tense man. Of shit. Oh. Yeah. See, he's, um, maybe he's hanging out with Prince Sidon. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's fine. he seems a little like. I Sedan is so cheerful. Like you can't. He is really fun. He's so nice. I I think the king is such a dick. Like yeah. he wouldn't be able to hang out at all. He's jealous. God, how no did the chill. king get it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I wonder if it was like an arranged marriage. Like probably. <laughs> it, w- it probably was. You know, considering you know royalty and high roll. You know what's so weird? This game explicitly tells you that, you know, like, the women are the ones that have the power to seal um, Ganon. And so you feel like it should be matrilineal, but the king is the one that has all the, like, societal power and tells Zelda what to do. But they need the, like, Zelda bloodline to remain full of whatever it is that seals canon. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway. (laughs) I've thought about this too, and I don't quite... Okay, so you've looked into the Zelda timeline, but is the implication that Zelda's mom is also Zelda from a different game? Oh. I don't know. Oh, my God. This this might not be true at all. I just am trying to, like, understand how it works. That's possible. So the... Fan theory that makes the most people happy, I think, in terms of not invalidating the timeline entirely or having this game just exist in its own pocket universe, is that it's far enough in the future that 
the timelines have merged again. Like some shit happens that we don't know about. It's mm-hmm. somehow the time how timeline is merged. Um, but that doesn't mean that the Zelda that is Zelda's mom is not somehow reincarnated into being Zelda's mom. You know. So, but okay, but usually in these games, it's not that they are related at all. It's literally that they keep being kind of reborn throughout. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, in the very first. Uh, in the game, in the timeline, Skyward Sword, it is just sort of like, here's Proto-Link and Proto-Zelda, and they become like the the marker, like the image of which the rest of these legends are based on. Right. Um, but huh. it does, like in Breath of the Wild, though, they talk about how there's always a princess that has the power to seal Ganon. And it so it's happened before. It's yeah. happened before. Yeah, they yeah. know it's happened before. So if that power is in the royal family, why isn't secession matrilin- matrilineal? That's a really good God question. Damn it, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, come I on, need Nintendo. to know. <laughs> come on, <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> so you were saying, okay, Urbosa, but um, outside of Nintendo, it doesn't have to be Nintendo. Oh, what yeah. are some of your favorite characters of? Well, I already talked about Grace a little bit from Wolfenstein. I think she's fantastic. There's also, I think, most of the women actually in Wolfenstein are really great in their own way. Um, but I also, of course, really love Billy Lurk, uh, who has already been a character in a few of the Dishonored sort of uh, you know, DLC and, and stuff like that. Uh, Billy Lurk stars in her own game this year, and it's awesome. It is the best Dishonored. I'm just going to say that. Uh, it's like a very distilled Dishonored. It's like a five-mission Dishonored game, Death of the Outsider. And Billy Lurk in Well, you game... say it's it's five missions, but didn't it take you like 40 hours yes, or something? because I'm me, and I have to look at every art asset and appreciate it completely and also play through things ten times I like it best. I'm weird. Uh, But Billy Lurk is amazing in this game because she is like, you know, one thing about the Dishonored games that always kind of kind of felt a little weird is that you're always playing as like royalty. You're the empress or not not the empress, the empress's daughter, or you are sort of the the official bodyguard or whatever. Uh, Billy Lurk is actually like an assassin. Like she came up in the street. She like is very streetwise. She has done a lot of horrible things in her life. And this is a story that is very much about can you be redeemed? Like, can there be real justice in this world? And you are much more free to do fucked up things in this game. There's no sort of chaos system in this in this yeah, game. There's I other things going on. Yeah, I a lot of people on. were really glad that that was Yeah, gone. because that makes you feel guilty for certain things. I prefer to play non-lethal, but also very assault-heavy. Like, I knock everybody out. That doesn't... And I hide Oh, okay. Them. I it was like, no wait sense. a minute, that sounds I know, like a it's, paradox. It's a very weird play style. Like, I remember I'm... you freaking <laughs> out that you were like, I... I put all these enemies to sleep, and some of them, some of them somebody are dead fell, somehow. Somebody fell in the water. In the <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. So how does that happen? Did a, like did someone push them into the water? I think how I that... had alerted the guards to my presence, and, and somebody the who was already threw knocked them in the out. Water? No, somebody who was already knocked out got knocked into the water by a guard. Like, but this doesn't make any sense. Don't the I guards know. want to this save them? This shit happens sometimes. They like. Have you noticed like oh. bodies in video games are really slippery at all? <laughs> they are very they get slippery. Shoved around just very easily in the water, <laughs> drowned. Like, oh, it's like I'm trying to keep you alive. I'm trying to help you out. Isn't it possible too to like? Try to put a body out of the way and a rat will eat it or something like that. In the that. other games, yes. That happened to me all the time in Dishonored 2 or the blood flies. What a bad it. way to go. What a horrible way you to go. You knock somebody out very gently. You put them, I, I put them in like a nice <laughs> safe place. You I put them, them in a blanket. In. You know, <laughs> all nice. They're warm. And they're then they safe. get eaten by then rat. Then a feral rat comes over and eats their face. <laughs> It's just not right, hey, That's man. a real bummer. Video like, games, 2017. You don't even know that's happening. Like, if you, if you were aware that rats were in the area, you would not be taking a nap. But, like, you laid down, out of not out of your own choice. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like putting that extra, like, 
it's almost like critiquing Batman where it's like putting that extra, like you did violence to someone, now they're your responsibility. You can't like, instead of the, oh, no kill, but like actually you'd break somebody's spine 12 times in 12 different places with Batman style violence. It's almost, it almost yeah, feels like you now do, you got to take care you of them. Do you want to do this? shit like yeah. put someone to sleep and then like kind of just throw them off a building and like the game counts that as like, oh, they're, they're not dead. They're fine. Though. You only knocked them out. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's, ugh. I love it and hate it about Dishonored. I do wish there were places where it would be actually safe. Like, yeah. sometimes I lock them in, like, dumpsters. <laughs> <laughs> and I put the lid over it so that no rats can get in. I feel like they would That's still home die. Now. How That's do they, they live? <laughs> They're live safe. Out. <laughs> They're safe now. Imagine it living a full life. <laughs> and then you just wake up in a dumpster. And you're like, what did I do? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. The last, the last one I really super have to... Um, Butterfly Soup, which is a lovely game that, that, of course, Patricia turned me on to. We were on vacation. We were in Scotland, and I heard her, like, cackling at a game that she was playing, and I was like, what's that? She's like, Butterfly Soup. And I was like, what oh the hell God. does that mean? And it's this beautiful little visual novel about, like, four queer Asian-American women uh, who love baseball and also each other. That's, like, the premise of the game. That's and so it's cute. beautiful and cute and very funny. And... The characters themselves, like, I, I don't feel like I have a favorite. I think I kind of love all of them. They're, they're I do. A, they're an amazing ensemble. Okay, I'm yeah. sure you do. I, I know who it is. It's fine. <laughs> but, like, I, I really loved all of them. And, of course, I I mean, I think we probably have the same that, like, I'm thinking of for you. But go ahead. Who's well, yours? my favorite character in the entire year is from B- Butterfly Soup. And it's Arkasha. Yep. And it's entirely it. because... <laughs> She's so she's like a real life shit poster. Like everything that <laughs> yes. comes out of her mouth is just like so, just dumb, but in like a good way. Like <laughs> she's just I don't need, I can't do justice to like how I have to ridiculous you it's do. It's very just, really really have to. Yeah, it's basically amazing. the f- the first time that I've seen a video game incorporate memes in a way that wasn't like grown worthy because it, she's just legitimately funny and but it's making like a bunch of references that you've heard before like four-dimensional chess or like whatever you know shit like that but she's just it's by the same person who uh who did uh palm gets wi-fi i think is the name oh yeah yeah. so yeah she's just i I think she's pretty young too i think she's like i don't know like 20 or something and she's she's already writing these games butterfly suit may have been like that's she's wow. already it's writing from 10 years like it's set during the proposition 8 campaign in california so mm-hmm. about 10 years ago not quite 10 years ago i don't um, think she's been working on it for that no no no. i know i'm just saying like i wonder if she was in high school during that time yeah, and prob- it's like partially i, mean, prob- I, I can yeah. look it up but i just I think it's phone. so amazing that like you know she's pretty young and already her games are being played by like famous game developers who are like raving about it like you know you see people like robert yang and like uh uh, what the people at Fulbright being like? Oh my God! Brianna this game Lee is, so... is her name. Just just to put it out there, yeah. it's yeah. Brianna Lee. <laughs> I mean, she must be over the moon. Like, oh God, I'm sure. Every time I give props to like some young game developer that's made like one game, they like lose their mind, and I'm like, I'm just look on itch.io like everybody else, you know. Just check it every day. <laughs> you made a cool thing. I really liked it. It was so cool to watch Doki Doki Literature Club like blow oh, up after yeah. I wrote about it and talked to Dan Salvato, who is the lead developer behind that game, because it was just like, this was a cult hit amongst people who really like dating sims, and then it just exploded, and that's really amazing, but it what must be overwhelming. What I think is the most amazing yeah. about that game's explosion is that he 
made it free and i feel like he could have been swimming in money right now if he had charged for it but then i don't know if it would have blown up in the way that it did so i don't know it's like well too... he's pretty comfortable already oh yeah you know he what is uh, he... he made frankard faces that that twitch plugin oh yeah so okay. he's already done a bunch of like programming projects that are keeping him afloat he also had like a fan pack that includes of 10 bucks for like the soundtrack and some official I imagine art some people probably... i imagine probably yeah. not a large percentage probably not yeah, the but you don't million need that many. players yeah yeah, yeah yeah but that's enough to pay rent for a while right. you know and if nothing else like Whenever he makes another game that's paid, like, like people, he's going to have that audience. Yeah. yeah. He's already, I've been looking into this a little bit, and there's definitely something in the works for him for 2018. Mm. So I am going to be waiting with bated breath for whatever he does next. Oh. I will say, another character I really liked a lot was Monica from that game. And Sayori from that game. And all of the characters from that game because they are just trapped in a hell world where nothing good happens. Oh, no. They really I want still to need to play it. I, I do, need too. To the loneliness of Monica is really something very interesting because it's a loneliness only a video game character can experience. And it's hmm. an interesting take on that. But anyway. Oh. Uh, my last favorite character that I want to mention. And to be clear, this is from Divinity 2, and I'm still very early on in this game and by early i mean i'm like 40 hours in but i'm still in the i'm still in the opening level mm -hmm. of this massive game and i'm going to write about this next week but uh one of the characters uh who's written by chris avalone of like fallout fame is called fane and the thing about this game is that there's this race of like undead skeletons like you can be a skeleton um but what makes them interesting is that they just they live for so long and they just don't have the same concerns as, like, the rest of the living things, for one. And the other thing is that they're, like, ostracized. Like, if someone sees that you are a skeleton, they will treat you differently. They think you're an abomination because... Yeah, you're I don't want to sound, sound racist against skeletons, but you're literally a walking skeleton. So yeah, people think you're like a crime against oh my God. humanity. I don't want to sound racist against skeletons, she says. <laughs> if but, there's uh, any skeletons listening to the show, I'm so sorry yeah. right now. <laughs> um, but there's this content warning for skeletons. <laughs> like, um, but there's this entire mechanic where like you have a thing that's called a face ripper and you can rip faces off of uh, bodies and you have to do, you have to put on other people's faces to go through towns without like horrifying people. And it's just, he's just <laughs> such an interesting, it's just like this so face morbid. Off in a game. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> I just like, all I can do is picture just a skeleton that has just a face. <laughs> Involved or something. Of course, I haven't done glamour it yet. happening, but I'm sure they need an actual face. Yeah, because human the, beings the face recognize magic. faces. Face magic. This yeah. is so video games, but <laughs> I've just been collecting faces that I haven't put on yet, so I don't know how <laughs> this works. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> Sounds like you. Oh, oh my God, that's good. Well, you it's just prepared in case you need a face. Now you yeah, got a well, face for every occasion. <laughs> it's, it's partially that, like in the opening level, it's that you're in a prison, and so like nobody cares that you're a skeleton because you're already degraded. <laughs> so I haven't had to use the faces yet, so I don't quite know how. I've just been getting them because I know See? they'll come into play <laughs> later. <laughs> There's a method to this. Madness, <laughs> so like, um. <sighs> But yeah, he's just a really interesting character who like 
clearly knows a lot about history because he's lived through it. And you're like, tr- like uh, one of the opening scenes is that you see him and the the ship that's taking you to prison is like sinking, and everyone around him is freaking out. And you're like, come on, dude, let's escape. Or like, come on, dude, like you need to help me help these other people who are dying. And he's just like. I'm already dead. You think I care if this <laughs> ship goes down in flames? Like I'm, I'm gonna survive. Like I, I guess you gonna guys go for a swim. Yeah, like Have fun. <laughs> I guess skeletons can uh, breathe underwater. They don't need to breathe. There's I don't no know. Lungs. He just, yeah, you, you know, know, everything was literally up in flames around him, and he's just like, I gotta keep reading this book because it's the only chance I'll get to learn this history. <laughs> so. That's yeah, really interesting. I'm not very far in this game, but he's already one of my favorite characters. What's his name? Fane. 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 I want to play this game now. Every time anyone <laughs> talks about it, I'm like, I need to play. It's it. honestly just such an absurd game. Where the thing that I appreciate about old school CRPGs, like, I feel like they there's some like weird gatekeeping thing. Like when I first played this game, it was so hard. The combat was so hard, but I find so many parallels between it and, like, Twine games because it's just so mm. focused on, like, having good writing and, like, picking choices that might not do anything but mean something to you. Kind of in the same way that um, Pyre does, right? Oh, when yeah. it asks you, like, what do you want to name this person? Or, like, what does freedom mean to you? Yeah, there are a lot fraud. of things like that in that this one, game. That particular moment, too, when you're asked what freedom means to you and you just have to answer it honestly. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. affect anything, but it's very meaningful. So there's a lot of writing like that in this game. Fuck, what was I, where was I going with this thought? Um, yeah. Oh, that one of the things that I appreciate, aside from the extraordinary writing, is that um, the developers for these types of games always design them for, like, edge cases hmm. like there uh, when you play like a big budget game developers always kind of expect you to take certain paths and they don't program for certain like weird shit that you might do but in this game if you think it might be possible even if like maybe only 10 people will do it or one person will do it um they put it in there like you uh there uh nathan grayson wrote about how he killed the final boss by turning it into a chicken or uh there was this other player who uh just collected a ton of paintings of this uh villain and then killed the villain by just dropping paintings of himself repeatedly (laughs) on the person or there's like there's things like you have a teleport skill and like there will be like environmental things that you can't walk in like you'll there'll be lava around you and you can't walk in it because you'll automatically die but guess what you can just teleport enemies into the lava and they'll immediately die and like how many players are going to think like what if i do this or like what if i combine this and this like there's no way these developers thought like this person might kill this person with all these paintings but they allow like they programmed the possibility so there's just all this like absurd shit that you can do in this game that i really appreciate it That's what I love about Prey in a in a probably a more limited sense because it's you can do a lot of things and a lot of things you can't expect to do in Prey. But hearing that 
is the thing that made me want to play Divinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, no, no problem. Fane sounds pretty cool too. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, that, there's a lot really of mechanical possibility it. in this yeah. game. So for people who are not super into CRPGs or like to play it on easy, maybe and like just play it for the writing, honestly, and play it for like the absurd shit that you can because it is a difficult game and it took me a long time to like rock the combat but i really want more people to play this game yeah. it's phenomenal i mean chris avalon is one of like the few really good writers in games like there's writers in games that are good can deliver a, a narrative you know feed that into your brain space but chris avalon uh is like literary he's like literary in his writing and it that's is such a rare dense. quality in yeah. games like i feel like a lot of games that get heralded for being intellectual it's like I'm going to sound so disparaging right now, but it's like, oh, clearly this developer has read one book or yeah. like one author <laughs> or whatever. Like, Bioshock. Yeah, you know, you see it with, um, you know, I like the Naughty Dog games. They're great spectacles and they are really fun blockbusters to play through. And that experience is thrilling. However, I've read The Road and I've seen <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you've done it. I did those things you've already. You've been there. Um, like I like Cormac McCarthy as much as the rest of us, but mm-hmm. pick a new book. Um, and it it does get frustrating. Chris Avalon, I never feel like he's taking only from one source. I feel like he's picking from a lot of different sources mm-hmm. and making something that's has a dense layer of themes and symbolism you only yeah, find when you play um, it again and again and again. So this like is a book. Something yeah, that like I a book. appreciate from Before the Storm too, because it. It still has some of that cheesy writing, but like when you play it, they the writers very clearly had a sense of like theme and like every dialogue choice that you have relates to like the wider ideas of the game in a, such a way that I'm just like this. It feels literary. Like even the the thing with the play that I was describing earlier, like the double layer of the conversations that you're having. The fact that it like feels like a play, but it also feels like a video, like a video game choice. It, it feels like, very really... self-assured in that yeah. way. That it's like, oh, it's not afraid to to kind of go there in certain ways. And, and of course, it should. It's a teen drama. Yeah, like you go there. You like know? so much about yeah. Life is Strange, it's it's fearlessness, especially in embracing sort of YA novel tropes mm-hmm. and YA novel corniness. It, it really isn't afraid of being cheesy because by indulging in those specific tropes, it allows a storytelling to go to more interesting emotional places. Yeah. If it's sort of ironically detached from those things, you can't make it, you can't sell those emotional punches. So it just dives in yeah. and, you know, it, it pays off. So something that I've always wondered, and this is kind of like a tangent for it, but if, if any of our listeners are game developers, something that I've always wondered is I feel like the job is just so demanding, right? Like you hear about crunch and like crunch is honestly just like the standard in this industry if I I wonder if a lot of the things that we see in games where it feels like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's pulling from a lot of different sources just comes from how demanding the job is. Like, you just don't have time to, like, read more things, to, like, pull, like, to live a life in which you just have many different interests because the only thing that you can do is, like, build your game. I think that's during, uh, you know, that phase of development. I, I'd, I'd be more... Uh... From what I know and who I know, and that might also totally bias me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for I'm not the, saying the folks that I know everyone. super well uh, are, you know, are very well read and yeah, have a yeah, lot of yeah. very, no, no, very interest. It's more, it's more likely that somebody was hired to make the decisions 
who doesn't necessarily share a lot of that vision or who wants to make the safer bet. This is something that we, we've had uh, Menver here on our podcast mm-hmm. at Waypoint kind of talking about a little bit in terms of like making cool, interesting, more interesting decisions and making it. This also relates like really specifically to diversity. That's what he was mm-hmm. speaking about. But also in terms of like taking risks narratively mm-hmm. and, and taking, you know, taking those strides and going those places. His his take on it was more that like the people who get hired, the people who get promoted, the people who are making like the budgetary decisions are not necessarily the ones with a lot of vision, and that's mm-hmm. what ends up being in a very compromising. Place. Yeah, I wonder if this doesn't apply as much as developers because this is just me guessing. Like again, yeah. just based on what I've heard of like the developer lifestyle, but I do know that a lot of people who aim to write about games like there's just this like new crop of people who like all they do is like I want to write about games and all the writing that they do is writing about games and like all the media because uh, I'm not trying to like say this is bad per se but like also games are just so time consuming that like if you want to write about Dota 2 like kind of the only thing that you can do is probably play Dota 2 for like hours and hours and hours and like this ends up influencing your work like in terms of like what you pull from even what your language is like and, and yeah. stuff That's like really that like point. i've been thinking yeah. about how frequently i use the phrase progression system in my writing and how <laughs> i can excise it from my writing because i know it, we all know what that means right mm-hmm. imagine saying that to your mom she's, yeah she's just like what what the fuck are you talking about like, she would have no idea and i yeah. feel like that comes from me reading video game journalism all the time working at kotaku.com and you know i finished listening to the audiobook at the disaster artist it was great but i've been reading october since the october and <laughs> i think i may finish it at the next re- anniversary of the russian revolution so there you, go. you know like it's god but yeah this is why i feel like it's so important for me to just read fucking books like yeah. oh, absolutely. i'm always just like it just the thing that i do is always just like underline like ways of phrasing th- cuz yeah you get into this mode where it's like there are easy ways of phrasing things that you kind of always rely on and I always try to notice these things are like shit I use that phrase a whole lot like I'm always thinking about this in this way and then like to kind of have that upended when you're reading something different is like always such a nice it's, feeling it's so good sorry, I've been reading can... oh sorry I was gonna say I, this is the oh, I'll make it quick okay. I yeah. promise just that I've been reading a lot of like old maritime books like oh I, I just read In the Heart of the Sea which is like the true story of the whale ship Essex which is like the Moby Dick inspiration that sounds amazing and I'm reading 1421 which is like a book made by written in like the early 2000s by an actual uh, ex-British sailor who was like a sailor in the 50s who had a particular way of reading maps that led him to this conclusion that like the Chinese actually had discovered far more of the world than we had thought previously and there was all this evidence and it's fascinating and awesome and I just love the language of like old salty dogs. It's just the greatest <laughs> thing. I love it so much. It's a little hard to parse yeah. sometimes but I I've mean, been very like into it lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I came into this job not doing journalism at all so when I got into reading October it really was just fascinating. It is an account of the Russian Revolution yeah. um, but it is a sort of narrativized very well researched but it treats people like like characters so they are given sort of really interesting descriptors and I, I reading it it was just sort of like oh this is how I can enrich my own writing by creating stories and characters out of people who are real or at least picking up on those things that people really remember about how people are it makes something so readable yeah you know when you actually use those sort of narrative framings like yeah. it makes something so easily digestible and readable and you can have the content be on absolutely the level it needs to be like a very high level but also like just framing it that way yeah something about it like it's like the the sugar that makes the pill I mean, go down with our brains or something we could talk about books forever i know we can. i'm games. sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no it's okay um all right 
New question. All right. What are your biggest video game regrets of 2017? And when I say regret, I feel like a lot of people will default to like, I wish I didn't play that game. But you you can mention stuff like that. But I'm specifically looking for like choices you made in a game mm-hmm. that you regret that you kind of had to live with afterward. Oh, so yeah. when my friend played Pyre, he asked me what choice I made at the end. And it was after he had told me that he felt like at the very end of Pyre, you can send yourself back or someone who thought they would never, ever, ever be able to go back to the surface. I sent myself back, and this person, before he asked me, said, I just really felt like that other character deserved it. I don't really understand how you could send yourself back, you know, after hearing what he's gone through. And I was like, ha yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a, who would do that? Ah, whoopsie. Um, <laughs> Shit, I'm trying to think about this now, and I can't remember who I sent back, but I'm going to think it was myself, and that I just erased that memory because it was, <laughs> I, it was so shitty of me to do. I know, but like you've been trying really hard. I wanted to see how the revolution was going. You put so much work into into getting to that moment. You like do. it's not as if you don't earn it, but it's no, just but one of those. No, but the selfless thing to do is like, to send the person that thought they right. would never go back. Right. It's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you did earn the right to leave, but so did this. Per- it's like one of those things. Like, what does earning it mean? Like, who deserve? Like, no one deserves a thing more than someone else. So when you know that you are kind of the same, like, what the choice becomes that much more like grueling. Yeah, that's one thing I do like specifically look back on and think I should have done the other. I should have done the other one, guys. Like, I really should have done the other one. Like, Isn't fuck. there? Am I remembering incorrectly? Isn't it? You can send yourself back, or you can send someone from your team, or you can send. Yeah, you him. got a choice of three. So um, the person that I had put up for um, going back that time was Joe Dariel. And she had explicitly told me, listen, I don't want to go back. If it's between the two of you, leave me out of this. And I was like, I have to respect that. And she had clearly made a kind of flirtatious friendship with another character. And I was like, if there's anyone that can make it down here, it's Joe Dariel. It's true. I feel like because the entire thing is (laughs) there's this entire thing about like the longer that you spend down there, the more you physically change. And so she's been down there for like long enough that I feel like she's just accepted that that's the life now. now. Yeah. Yeah. It it really was heartbreaking, though, when at the end of the credit sequence, they tell you everything that's happened to those people. And what happened to Joe is um, I sent the girl whose name ends with A. Yep. I sent her up because she deserved a second chance, I thought. Um, and Jodariel and A had gotten very close, and A in the surface, when my revolution was, success- was su- successful, she was sainted because she hears the, the scribes, mm-hmm. and um, she sent a letter down to Jodariel telling her of her sainthood, and Jodariel started crying. Aww. And I oh was just God. like, all I want is for my family to be together again. Oh, <laughs> so that's kind of related to my one of my biggest uh, game regrets is also Empire um send if you so you have the decision to send people back you play like these basketball games pretty much it's NBA like, jam if, it's yeah. great <laughs> and if, yeah and if you win after like a season you get to send someone because you're in like this hell basically where you have to like repent for your sins or whatever the hell and then when you win at the end of the season you can send someone back and i the way that I thought about this was because not everyone can go back. So you have to decide like some people who are going to, who are going to stay in that hell. And I kind of try to think about it. Like who could live with just 
who could live out their days in hell basically who yeah. would just be able to accept it and one of the, i i sent may back she might be named something else in whoever's game because you can yeah. pick her name mm-hmm. but she was i i don't know if i'm remembering this incorrectly but i remember her just being like no but i because she intentionally goes down there because she like I think she has like some sort she of like disability or something, cast and like out of her town and just uh, ended up down there. Mm. You know, like there was nowhere for her to. But she go. she was happy to to be down there though because she met like, people that liked her. Yeah, because yeah. she did. She didn't have to like kind of hide she who she was. Wagon. She wasn't yeah. considered strange for being down there. She could just she could just live like it was hard, but like it wasn't like this constant like society bearing down on her. So then when I sent her up, I have some of the flavor texts afterward when you beat the game was kind of like yeah you know she made a big revolution succeeded but it was like but she never quite felt at home or something like that i was like shit i feel like i made the wrong like i feel like she probably would have been happier if i had just kept her down here because she also expressed to me that she she just loved it here and she didn't mind like never having to go back i think she just straight up told me like to not send her back and i was like shit yeah i picked the wrong thing yeah i sent headman back um, and I found out in a different playthrough that his major angst was being a deserter. And then I realized what I had done because he is so disappointed when you send him back. Well, it's also, yeah, he's, he was disappointed in my game because he makes a promise to you that you're all going to reunite. Mm-hmm. And in my game, oh, okay, I guess I didn't send myself. I sent someone back, but it wasn't me. Um, he was disappointed that he could never make that um, that promise real because the stars go out and you can never send anyone else back and yeah. so yeah by ending the undress system you just end the portal between the two worlds forever and it's so when you that last choice it's that's big the big choice and i mean the end of that game is beautiful it it really is just, so the emotional high so the music in this game man i just really love oh. it as kind of like a commentary on like if you want to break an unjust system, it means that you n- can no longer enjoy the benefits of it. And yeah. that, like, some people have to suffer. Like, if you if you want to make the world a better place, it means that some people will not be able to be on top. You won't be able to get what you want so that everyone can be happy, sort of. Yeah. Deal. The sacrifice has to be made. You know, they make it clear in the one song with lyrics of what the game is. It's about standing together. It's strong. Like, as a strand, like a rope, but also that means that the bond can never be broken, but you guys are going to be broken by the end of this. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second there's this, like, very religious-sounding song at the end where the lyrics change depending on who stays and who went home. And it broke me. broke me in half. Because <sighs> I... They were singing so ecclesiastically about me going, oh. you know, going up, and I was like, I fucking shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose I most regret not finishing Pyre yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it's in my top ten. I, yeah. I love this game. I didn't. I still do need to finish it, but I've, I've you know. It's going to hit you. It's like getting punched. It's, it's going gonna gonna to hurt a, a little bit. Yep. It's going to hurt a little bit. Again, you'll be like by another cats. one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just I pet all of them. Um, honestly, I, I'm trying to think about, like, specific decisions I made that I, I wasn't happy about. I... I'm like the world's dorkiest goody two shoes when I play games. I'm always like, I'm gonna be the selfless saint of whatever and, and try mm-hmm. to do every every last little thing all the time. 
Um, so I suppose my regrets are, are, are really largely relegated to like, I just, oh, there's so many things I still want to play more of. I, I need to play so much more Hollow Knight. Are there any like choices oh, that you made I know, that I'm trying like, to think. Shit. I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm making So there's that choices. moment when there were like three big games out and you pretty much had to pick one. It was like Super Mario Odyssey. That was your royal choice. And um, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah. Like which one did you go with at that precipice? I mean, I have beaten Wolfenstein, and I played a, a decent of amount Mario. of Mario, but not enough Mario. So yeah. I guess Wolfenstein's the answer there. Yeah, yeah. Any and regrets? I need to play a lot more Mario. Yeah. My, that's another regret. Mario yeah. is further down my list than I think it would be if I had played more Mario, like on yeah. my personal top ten. Yeah, it's a fucking good game. Oh, it's really good. I just Ali. need to play more. Yep. So one of my regrets, and it wasn't really something that I could help because it was built into the narrative, but like... I guess some spoilers for near here if you haven't gone through it uh, to like I think the you should put one like every pod. game in 2017 just it's cool <laughs> one of my biggest regrets in near is well I guess there are two um one the smaller mission is that there's so there are a bunch of like um what are they called when you have to take someone from one place to another escort yes there are a bunch of escort quests and in one of them it's like there's a mom and this kid and the kid runs away and you have to bring the kid back. But of course, as the kid walks back, a bunch of machines try to attack it or, or whatever. And you have to kill the machines so that the kid can live and get to the other side of the road. And so when I was playing this, like it was it was a hard it was a surprisingly hard mission. But I also just kind of didn't sweat it because I was like, oh, there are a lot of times in this game where if you fail the mission, you can just do it again. But in this one, you can't. If the kid dies, he's dead. Oh and I was God. like, oh, shit, I can't just reload because there's no, like, there's no, like, saving. And it, like, just autosaved that it died. So I couldn't oh, redo no. it. It's, like, one of the only missions that you can't redo. If you fail it, you fail it. And then you have to go back and you have to tell the mom that the kid is dead. And you're just oh like, oh, my God. <laughs> they did that. They really did that. Though. And it's like. What the fuck? This was just supposed to be like a measly like escort quest and oh, you just wow. ripped my heart out because I was like negligent and I couldn't beat these robots. And then <laughs> God damn it, Yoko Taro. And oh, then wow. my other regret, which I couldn't have helped and was not really my choice, it was just built into the game, was that I couldn't save to be because spoiler she dies and it's just Is so, that the first like, ending? Is that how the first no, ending goes? Okay. No. It's like the. This is a game that I talked ending. about on a couple of <laughs> couple of episodes of Waypoint Radio earlier today. Um, that I am so interested in, and I really do need to play more. But I've seen like every major part of it oh, just no. in different sequence because I saw you play basically mm. the whole thing. So it was like one of those where it's like I know God, everything though, like, that happens, but yeah, but it's not the same. Like I feel I like know. if you don't play it, I mean, but it won't feel the same for you either because you already know. Right, those, that's what I'm so. saying. Maybe I did the worst. I'm sorry thing. that I. That's ruined. my regret. <laughs> your regret is that I ruined near for you. I Thanks. regret it. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, All right. Um, by the way, it's almost six, so we gotta start wrapping. Oh, up. do we yeah, have one we, last question? Or yeah, yeah. What one last question? Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. 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 What is your pettiest video game feeling of 2017? <gasps> I got one. Tell me. Good. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I become a five-year-old or a two-year-old baby. When people really like something that I don't like, I get really mad and I get really petty about it. And I could not for the fucking life of me 
understand. And I this is not me trying to be shitty. Like, I get it that people like things that are different from me. I just, like, have this thing where I'm like, why don't I understand? With Destiny 2, I just, I just, I fully respect people who like it. 100%, like, you are allowed to like the things you like. I just, I just get this feeling of, like, I what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my brain that I don't get it? I don't understand the feelings that you feel. It is one of those feel. worst feelings that, like, I feel like there's this feel narrative. Like I'm just missing, like, I'm standing out in the rain, and somebody's having a birthday party with good cake, and they have cool hats, and, like, it's awesome, just and there's a disco it. ball, I'm watching it in pouring rain with a sad child face, just like, I, yeah. I can't go okay. to the party. Watching people just... <laughs> destroy their bodies doing raids in Destiny 2. I like Destiny 2 because the shooting's good. That's basically what sure. I like about it. The shooting, you get to shoot things in the head and one of the characters when you shoot them in the head is like their soul leaves their body and that is like a very <laughs> satisfying thing. But watching people just like beat their bodies into the ground doing these raids, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll try it, but I don't want to do all of this. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the worst feelings when you, I feel like there's this narrative online that like, video game journalists just love shitting on something but i can assure you that there's no worse feeling when you don't get why someone yeah. likes something and i i really like understanding why something is successful and because because then you can kind of be a part of yeah. something and well, i you like, like that like, enjoy somebody's joy as yeah. well i like to enjoy somebody's joy it's, like with most things even if i don't like love it i'm able to be like that's nice. I can, you know, I get it. You know, that's fun. With this, I just feel, I genuinely feel like a child out in the rain. Like, it's the pettiest, like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I'm grumpily, like, walking around in the mud, like, I want to go to the party, you know? Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so what's your pettiest feeling? So <laughs> this comes from a place of just, like, knowing that this is the first time I've ever had a, uh, a full-time job. And I've now had one for over one calendar year. It's right. really hard, and a lot of hard things have happened to me this year. I know that it is game of the year time. However, what I'm going to be doing from basically now until the 26th is play Dwarf Fortress. Nice. You know, that's all I'm going to fucking do because I <laughs> Wait, earned that, this, that this year. What are you talking about? It's petty because I have to be playing the games that everyone else likes, but I'm going to come back from break and we're still going to be discussing game of the year. And I'm going to be like, I played Dwarf Fortress, guys. I'm real game sorry. Game of the year. <laughs> Isn't it still being updated? If yeah. If so, then yeah. you can make an it's argument. It's not even at the 1.0. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. Nice. It's How long has it been in development? A really long time. Wow. It's amazing. It's game of the year every year, honestly. Dwarf Fortress is really good. I hope you put that on your list. <sighs> Be like Dwarf Fortress every year. Here's it's, my other it's petty your video list. Game feeling. Like, I don't fucking want to do a list. That's fine, too. <laughs> I don't fucking want to do it. I just don't want to put games on a page and explain why I like them. There's a lot of good games. Click on my name at kataka.com if you want to see. see the games I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do That's it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have two petty feelings. One of them, I we already kind of went into the last time that I was on the podcast, which is, why the fuck can I not play a Zelda in The Legend of Zelda? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's petty. I think that's legit. I mean, we all think that's justified in this room. This yeah, room, yeah, true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, some people are like, but Nintendo's vision is obviously... And I'm just oh like, my okay, God. whatever, shut up. <laughs> 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 um, And then my other petty feeling which is kind of it's like tangentially related to games and i'm sorry i hope that crick and jason are not listening at oh this God. point uh -oh. but uh one of my petty feelings is that i've been trying to lobby for hollow knight for consideration in our game of the year but all the times that i've spoken to people who 
played it on staff they've just been like i played a little bit of it and i liked it but i'm going to wait until it's out on nintendo switch so my petty feeling is that i hate the nintendo switch for taking, <laughs> for taking away the chances of this game that everyone is like yes it's good but i don't want to play it now because it's not on the portable system in oh, which i think it will be better that means so next year though switch. if you're doing this next, next year, year it should be into it the be 2018 list. year yep. review slack channel and be like hello it's coming on Switch. Game for you. Coming for you. <laughs> exactly. I do think, it, uh, yes, I do think that's going to happen. So I, I'm I feel ready. Like it's, it's, no, no, no. It's, no it's, do it. It's one of those games that are, I feel like already has this niche reputation online for being very good. But I feel like it's going to be one of those things that, like, once it's out on Switch, the floodgates are going to open and, like, mm. a lot of indie yeah. releases on switch like you know steam world heist oh yeah uh, or oh, yeah. whatever steam world dig oh, 2 Ste- yeah sorry yeah, that's yeah. what i meant steam world that... dig 2 released on a bunch of different things but i really took off yep. on the switch specifically yep. and i feel like that's going to happen to hollow knight too so it's been out for a while but i feel like people Just aren't know. really going to understand it Patricia or like hernandez was an og it. hollow knight yep. fan <laughs> we played it together we played a bunch of it together it's great i one of my biggest regrets legit is that i have not played more of it to put it on a list quick pitch before we end Hollow Knight is like if Bloodborne were a Metroidvania, basically. Oh, okay, I'm but, in. I'm but in. drawn in like this really kind of like cuphead yeah. style. You hooked me. I'm, I'll try good. that. In between six or seven hour rounds of Dwarf Fortress, <laughs> I'll sneak in a little <laughs> Hollow Knight. You'll go with that. Yeah. That's fair. All right. I think that is where we're going to wrap. If you have any answer to these questions, also you should email us at favethis at kataka.com or tweet at any of us with the hashtag favethis. So I want to thank uh, for a show executive producer of audio, Mounted Mofidi, as well as give like a shout out to Levi Sharp, who is in this room listening to us right now speak words. Um, <laughs> I also want to thank Stuart Wood, who does the sort of commercial music, as well as Mellow Mix, who does our theme song. Uh, thank you also for listening to us. I love you. I love you so much. Have a great year. Goodbye. Thanks.